0: We're going to be reading from uh, Acts 1 and 2 this morning. Before we do, let's come to God in prayer. Holy, awesome, faithful God, God of all generations, um, we thank you for your word. And we pray again this morning as we read, maybe it's familiar or unfamiliar stories about your ascension in Pentecost but also read about how you are sending your people out as a new community, as a witnessing community. We already heard your evidence of that this morning and witnessed your evidence of that this morning. And may we hear it again through this message. Bless the reading and the proclamation of your word. May your spirit open our hearts to what you are speaking to us. In Jesus' name, amen. We so you got the four Gospels and then the book of Acts of the Apostles, Acts 1, we'll read verses 1 through 11 and jump to chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said that, he was taken up before the very eyes in a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, and when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. Chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken." Utterly amazed, they asked, "'Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans?' "'Then how is it that each of us hears them "'in our native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, "'residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, "'Pontus in Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, "'Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, "'visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, "'Cretans and Arabs. "'We hear them declaring the wonders of God "'in our own tongues.'" Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Thanks be to God for his word. If you're visiting with us today, or maybe listening... The first time through the video ministry, we've been going through various biblical stories and seeing how our story fits into the biblical story and how that biblical story fits into our story today. And as a resource, we've been using a book by Kevin Adams titled The Book That Understands You. Through the book that actually understands us, the Bible, we read some perhaps familiar and perhaps unfamiliar stories this morning. We read about the promise of the Holy Spirit, the ascension of Jesus, the fulfillment of that promise of pouring out of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost into his people, and how all this led to the explosion and the growth of the New Testament church going off the map. Two weeks ago, in Guelph, The Ritter Church Renewal Conference was held, and about 180 people from Christian Reformed Churches and Reformed Churches of America gathered together. And you, the church, sent a group of young representatives to this conference. Okay, well, maybe not so young, but for those who are unfamiliar with the Ritter Church Renewal, the name says it it's church renewal, it's a journey. And it may appear to some, and myself included, that it's a slow journey. But it is a journey that has as the end goal, missional living. Meaning that mission is not supposed to be a certain event that we do, although that's okay, but it's not supposed to be that. But mission simply becomes our way of life. So when we say, yes, I'm living, it implies that I'm missionally living for Jesus. And as important as the end goal of missional living is, the journey is equally important. And the journey begins with personal transformation, in this case with a team of seven members, and and eventually that personal transformation trickles out into the congregation through more personal transformation, and ultimately corporate transformation the church more and more transforms and moves towards God's preferred future, God's desired will. And we're not there yet, but we keep striving. At this weekend conference in October, we learned about the church going off the map. And I think it's safe to assume that maybe some people... No. Many people like clarity, consistency, tradition. And I'm one of those people. I desire routine. I thrive on routine. I like sitting in the same seat. I like taking the same route to church. I like a cookie cutter service, meaning that every service would look the same. I'm very much a person of routine. When I get up in the morning, I already have my clothes laid out. I know exactly what I'm going to wear. I get ready in the washroom and I put all the stuff together. You know, my gel and my shaving stuff and my medications. Yes, I'm at that age. My contact lenses. Everything goes in an order. And as I use them, it goes back into the drawer. I'm sure there's others like that, right? (laughs) I'm hoping. I'm not the only one. And I'd prepare to get ready for work. I was sharing with my family this morning. I'm so routine that yesterday I went to the Guardian drugstore. And I always park in this one spot. But there was a car in my parking spot. (laughs) So I had to park beside them. And then I went into the store. And I came out. And wouldn't you know, that car had left. But a van exactly as mine parked in that spot. (laughs) And there was a nice lady sitting in the passenger seat. When I opened the door, <laughs> I did scare her, but I was startled too. I like staying on the map. I'm an anxious person, I'm working out, I'm working that out, and straying from routine creates tension in me. Now, whether you believe this or not about me, I much rather keep things simple and the same. I much rather have a map of this is exactly where I'm headed. This is exactly where we as a church are headed and know that that terrain is smooth. But I also don't think that's the norm for the church. And I'd rather be obedient to God and holy than disobedient and happy. Because I believe that God desires to take his church off the map. We're never at a standstill as a church. And I think more of you know what it's like to go off the map. Some of you have emigrated from Europe, America, or other countries. And you chose Canada to be your home. Sure, Canada is on the map, I get that. Maybe to some countries we're not acknowledged. But coming to Canada, what was in store for you? Leaving families. Searching for new jobs. Climate differences. Unexpected circumstances. And I'm sure there was going to be a lot of surprises and perhaps even some shocking events. Because when you don't fully know what is next, that is off the map. When you move forward in blind faith, that is off the map. So, at this Ritter Church Renewal Conference, it was expressed that for the church to get through the 21st century, people need to understand that most likely we will have to go off the map. Going off the map is going where God leads, knowing that we don't have the final destination necessarily in mind, and perhaps being prepared for a wild journey. Being part of the 21st century church means that we have to be prepared for change, maybe a revival. And not change for the sake of change, but change for seeking God's preferred future. Seeking to follow His will today. And you know what? Going off the map is not something new at all for the church. Last week we celebrated Reformation Sunday. 499 years ago when the church went off the map, big time. And probably continued to do so decades and centuries following. And then in our reading, this morning, we, we read about the early church. Where 1988 years ago or so, the church went off the map. Things happened so fast and likely beyond anyone's understanding. And you can read about the church growth and the struggles in the rest of the book of Acts. The church was off the map. So in our first reading of Acts 1, Jesus was trying to teach his disciples about the kingdom of God and the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit. He was sending them off the map, but the disciples, they got distracted. The disciples probably couldn't wrap their heads around what he was talking about, and they were more concerned about the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. Their focus was on other concerns. The disciples were concerned for something that they needed not be concerned for, But they were distracted. And Jesus proclaims that they were not to be concerned over things such as this. What they were talking about was the Father's plans. It was the Father's concerns. And God the Father, don't worry. He's got control of this. And Jesus wasn't saying that the restoration of the kingdom is not important, but the time and the date need not be their concern. Rather, their concern needed to be about the tasks of the kingdom. There's tasks to do. And God will get his people back on track, and he's going to use his people for his purposes. As followers of Jesus, we the church, our task is to glorify our God. To glorify our God by bringing the message of Jesus to a hurting, messy world. The church is to proclaim Jesus Christ that He lived, that He died, that He rose from the dead, that He ascended, and yes, He is alive. And His Holy Spirit remains in us. We proclaim Christ through faithful preaching. We proclaim proclaim Christ by equipping people to go out into the community, to go out into the world. These are the plans of God. This is the mission of God. But yet too often we don't follow God's plans because we get concerned with our own plans. And just like the disciples, we too sometimes get distracted. And we can look back at areas of concern within the churches today. Some theological, but some less theological, or not at all theological. And when you think about it, many of these areas of concerns and issues have to do sometimes with an internal focus. There are several concerns in the church that deal with our preferences rather than God's desires And we make some things into big issues sometimes, and by doing that, we miss the discipleship command. We're more concerned about pleasing one another and ourselves as opposed to how do we please God. And that's what Jesus was getting across to his disciples before his ascension. Jesus calls his disciples back to the plans of the Father. He gets his disciples back to growing God's kingdom, back on track with the Father's mission and promise. And Jesus promises the coming of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And He's not sending them out on His own strength and their, on their own strength rather, or their own power. Verse eight, Jesus states that you'll receive power from the Holy Spirit when he comes on you. Jesus foretells that after his ascension into heaven, the Holy Spirit will be poured out onto his disciples only days later. The disciples will receive power from the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is referring to a divine power. The disciples receive the divine power to be able to communicate and proclaim Jesus Christ to others. The power within the church comes from the Holy Spirit, not by any human Ordinary people are able to do extraordinary things because the Spirit of God is at work in our lives. You see, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is not a luxury, it's a necessity, and we can't ignore that power or get distracted by other things in our lives. And when we do, God will call us back to Him. We heard that again through stories from Maria and Damon this morning. And we are powered for a purpose. And that power is talked about in these verses. And it's not for our own salvation. As important as our own salvation is, of course. But the power is for the salvation of others. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer once stated, that the church is only the church when it exists for others. And that purpose of power is further explained in verse 8. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth." Take notice of these instructions. The disciples were called to witness to Jerusalem. This would be among their own people, in the temples, in the synagogues, the city streets of Jerusalem. And then following Jerusalem, they were empowered to go further. The disciples were empowered by the Spirit to witness into the areas of Judea and Samaria. In Scripture, we're told that the Jews and the Samaritans they didn't get along, they were enemies. And the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. They wanted no association with the Samaritans, and yet they were told to go there. And then they were told to also go to the ends of the earth. They were being sent off the map. Where's our Jerusalem? Where's our Judea and Samaria? Where's our ends of the world? we will always come across people who we would rather not associate with. But perhaps we were that person at one time too. And God empowers us so that we are concerned about those that we would rather not be concerned about. Are there places that we don't want to go because we might be ridiculed or rejected or humiliated or or maybe we feel that those people there are not worthy of Jesus. None of us are worthy. But thanks be to God for his amazing grace and that he saw worth in us through Jesus. So the story continues. Jesus ascends into heaven and the disciples might think they're going to be left alone, but they aren't. Because then we read the story of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit was poured out on the people. and The story of the New Testament church. You can imagine for a moment that organized chaos that was going on. Many different people, different backgrounds, different issues coming together, being filled with the Holy Spirit, changing languages, and then thousands more coming to Christ. And things are happening rather quickly and suddenly. That's Acts 2. The Holy Spirit of Jesus is poured out on them. They're all speaking different languages, being equipped to leave towards the ends of the earth. And then we hear the response. The response from others around them in verses 12 and 13 of chapter 2. Amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? And then some, however, made fun of them and said that they've had too much wine. And I wonder if we were there at that moment, would we have been amazed and perplexed? Or would we have made fun of them? The Holy Spirit was poured out on the people to equip them for mission. The Holy Spirit was poured out on the people to take them off the map. Where's the Holy Spirit equipping us for mission? Have we been receptive to the Holy Spirit? Are we allowing God's Spirit to change our lives for the better? For God's best? Are we allowing God to shape us in order to spread out? It starts with personal transformation. Allowing the Spirit to change you, being open to that change. Has your life changed over the past year to where it is now? Are people able to see Jesus in us through our language, our actions, our serving others? Is Jesus at work in our relationships? Do we say sorry when we've done something wrong? Or do we forgive those who have done wrong to us? Are there tensions in relationships that have occurred over the past year? Or maybe you've been there for years. And have you just let that tension be that new normal? And not bothered to reconcile or restore? The Holy Spirit is prompting His people to work on these relationships. Our first mission field is in Jerusalem. It's right here in the church. Let's work together on our relationships and then be willing to go off the map even in our own church and at the same time beyond our own church. Allow God to be at work in your heart. May today's profession of faith prompted something in your heart. May today's proclamation prompt something in your heart. And this is all through the work and power of the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit convict us and transform us. Let the Holy Spirit transform our church. And let him use each of us for his purpose, for his glory, for the growth of his church and his kingdom. One final point. A theme that's been coming across in each of these biblical stories that we've been studying over the past months is how God continues to just blow our minds with what he does God continues to surprise us and to do things beyond humanity's understanding and what is even more mind-blowing is the people that God will use to build his kingdom to build his church Throughout Scripture, we get a glimpse into people's lives and the stories of their lives. In the Old Testament, we've gone through several stories, and now we're in the New Testament, and again we're in Acts. And through reading the Gospels, we hear and read about the disciples, their doubts, their fears, their failures, their challenges, and God's successes through them. When I was in Kingston, prior to coming here to Exeter, I think there were probably about a dozen prisons in the city and the surrounding area. Now, since then some have closed, but some of the prisons allowed the minimum security folks to come to church as long as they were partnered with an approved and police checked person from the church. Our church had a prison ministry. And at times we had people come to church with all sorts of interesting backgrounds. Some were thieves, some had killed obviously all had some sort of criminal behavior. So you got the prison folks, and then you get the regular people. But the regular people still consisted of a lawyer with gambling debt who embezzled clients out of money, LGBTQT in search of a church home, straight couples, University students, blue collar workers, people with addictions, homeless, people with massive homes, people with the old life behind them, others still struggling with that old life, and thankfully still participating in the church community. Church communities are made up of people with all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of issues, all kinds of baggage. And everybody is not always aware of the baggage. But it was there. And I think we know that Exeter is probably no different. See, the point is, we live in a messed up world. And many of us, if we're honest with ourselves, or at least with God, we've messed up at times. And we have messed up lives at times. The church is messy. Because people's lives are messy. And yet, how often don't we try to make church look like this nice, neat package and try to think that we have it all together? And maybe that's why churches like that nicely organized liturgy that we put out every week. I like it, but at least gives us an impression that things might be somewhat together. We haven't nearly arrived, so we keep striving we keep striving for God's desired will. And God continues to work in this messed up world, in his messed up churches, despite his people. Because each broken vessel, each broken person can be used to bring us into a closer relationship with God. I love the quote from Kevin Adams' book, the book that understands you Quote, the church is a curious bunch of sinners, a curious bunch of sinners that God is shaping to be like Christ. We don't have it all together. We make mistakes, but let God shape us. God continues to use us and to form us into this new community called the body of Christ, his church. And we thank God for the church. We thank God for this new community. Ephesians 5.25, we read that Christ loved the church. He gave himself up for her. He died for the church. Maria and Damon, you profess your faith today in your Savior, your Lord Jesus Christ. We rejoice and celebrate with you. Aaron also did so a couple weeks ago. And through that profession, you also commit to his body his church and yes the church is the bride of Christ but what you have committed to is not a perfect church that has it all together And maybe I wasn't too clear in our talks and in our discussions but the church that you've committed to is flawed and it's messy so welcome to this messed up church Welcome to a journey that will take you and each of us off the map. But by the grace of God, we continue to be shaped by him and become more and more like Jesus. And Jesus will use you and use his people. He'll use his church, his mess, to create a new community for his purposes. Jesus, through the power of his Holy Spirit, will grow our relationship with him. And will use us to bring others into a relationship with Him. Praise God for His church. And together we say, Amen. Let's pray. God Almighty, gracious Savior, powerful Holy Spirit, we thank You for the church. We thank You for its joys and blessings and for its sufferings, its messiness. May through each of these circumstances we continue to grow in our relationship with you and with others and continue to grow your kingdom here on earth. Bless us as we continue to discern what role you are calling us to in your church. Bless us as you continue to transform our lives. Bless our churches, and each church is put into a different context using different gifts, but all being led by the one Spirit, by your Spirit, by Jesus Christ as the head. And may we be open to your continued leading, even if it is off the map. Give us patience. Give us love. Give us curiosity. Give us courage. Continue to give us your Holy Spirit to be obedient to you and your leading. Just as in the days of Pentecost, revive your church. Set your church on fire for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.